Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Iram and Irada here with episode 7 of Monday Musing, parenting podcast for Muslim families. And we have an amazing sister joining us today, all the way from Australia, mashallah. And her name is Khadija Al-Kadar. Many of you may be familiar with her work already. And I, I, I have been reading and following her for a while on social media. She's very active, mashallah, in the community. She's a mother of five boys from Perth, Australia, and also an NLP certified motherhood coach. She's a qualified parenting educator, motivational speaker, and she's accessible both on Instagram, a Muslim motherhood coach, and on Facebook at Khadija Al-Kaddur. Sister Khadija, can we have a few words from you, please? Um, Asalaamu Alaikum ladies, I'm really um, grateful to be here and honoured, alhamdulillah, it's a subject, um, I love talking about anything to do with raising healthy families, you know, um, it's a big passion of mine for, you know, parents to um, parent from a place of worthiness and to raise their children, you know, emotionally healthy and connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to have the strategies and tools um, to be able to do that, so I'm always um, feel honoured and happy to be able to talk about anything to do with raising our families because our families are those small ecosystems that make up our ummah. Yep, mashallah. And today's questions, Ira? Yep, inshallah, bismillahirrahmanirrahim. The question that we have today are challenges of being a stepmom in a, a marriage. How to create a healthy, blended family dynamic? That's one of the questions that we received. And the second question that we'll further on uh, discuss is uh, tips on fostering loving relationships in a blended family for all the people coming together. Alhamdulillah, you already explained, Sister Khadija, mashallah, that this is, this is your field of work. Alhamdulillah, you've been helping families um, connect, love each other, and um, relate with their emotional um, needs. So, Bismillah, would like to hear your thoughts on this. Okay, inshallah, bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So first I want to tell you a little bit of my background as a stepmother. Um, so um, there's a bit of an idea that I'm not just talking from, you know, Islamic or a very, you know, like a psychological kind of point of view, but I'm actually talking about lived experience. So back when I was 17 years old, which was over 20 years ago now, I became a stepmother in my first marriage. And so my boys were, um, my stepsons were, um, at the time, they were four and five. And so um, basically came from being the eldest of um, eight siblings and then straight into a marriage at a very young age. And um, I raised both those boys, um, both my stepsons, for about 12 years, one week with their mother and one week with myself and their father. So this went on for about 12 years. So every Friday they would change over and they would come to... Um, my house and they would spend the whole week at my house and then they would leave that Friday afternoon back to their mother's house and then they'll spend the whole week and they did this up until they were like um, 13 and 14 at that time as early teenagers they um, decided to live with their uh, father more and it's uh, sorry with their mother more and so the as a middle teens um the I wasn't it wasn't as consistent so it was more of court order up until they were like 13 or 14 so the challenges I experienced I was a very young you know this is going back like you know 22 years now um, I was very very young 
I was, um, and, and subhanAllah, I bonded straight away with the boys because um, I just took them. One of the biggest things that I found was just having a, um, my perception of them was um, a big thing. So for me, uh, I think maybe because of being naive in my young and my age too, I kind of took them as two youngest siblings because I had siblings the same age. And so for me, at first, I came in with the label of, I didn't take in the label as a mum because I, I wasn't even a mum. I hadn't even had my own first child at that stage. Um, I, um, I had my first son at 18, so like a year later. And um, I, I took the perception that I was an auntie and these are like younger brothers. So the relationship um, based on holding that perception was really, really helped to have a really loving relationship with both the boys. Um, most, most of my, um, most of my challenges actually came from their mother and from the, 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 um, I would say the turbulent communication relationship between the boys and my stepmother, stepfathers, sorry, my stepchildren's father, who was my husband at at that time and their mother. So I think that caused, um, the biggest, that was the biggest challenge to navigate. The second biggest challenge was, um, the boys were experiencing very different homes and lifestyles. And so in, in my house, they kind of had a more stricter Islamic upbringing. The father was practicing um, and their mother was not practicing. And she had, you know, there was a lot of issues there. Um, so it was very different for them and it was very difficult for them. And I remember my stepsons are now um, from that first marriage and I still keep in contact with them. I, I was in that marriage for 18 years and I had four boys in that marriage. They had four younger half brothers. Um, and they, um, I remember once asking one of my stepsons, so he's now, um, one is 25 and the other one is 26. I remember asking him, what was it like? And he said to me, it felt like being a basketball that kept being thrown from one house to the other. And I, I sensed that. I remember that very much so, that it, I felt like they didn't get much control over their life because they were literally, you know, 50% in one home and 50% on the other. So it's definitely, definitely a big challenge for all. That was the first experience. Now, my second experience was I divorced and remarried and my husband became the stepfather to my children. So that was a really interesting experience because for me, I had all this um, uh, knowledge and from, from lived experience. So I, I knew kind of the secrets of how to manage this as a stepfather coming in. I had four, uh, four of my boys, three of my boys living with me at that stage. Um, and you know they're all different ages and um, that whole experience you know it's it's a huge transition so it's a very challenging experience not just for the stepmother or stepfather it's a challenging experience for everyone involved whether it's the children whether it's even the biological parent and you know because we are all you know we all have our own unique um, kind of internal lens from which we view the world you know and we interpret things different and you know, we see things different and, you know, every experience we have, like that shapes our relationships and that. So I think the main aspect, you know, there's the challenges of that. It's the challenges of dealing with, and the same thing in, in my second marriage, my um, children's um, father really reacted to their stepfather. And so that was really difficult for them. Um, they were all at different ages. So it was like 
um, you know, basically accepting a stranger into the home, even though I had transitioned it and made sure that he had met the kids on a few times before we decided to get married. I wanted to see the children's reaction. I wanted to see if, how they felt about him. At the time, I had a, um, a, a two and a half, a three-year-old, sorry, I had a three-year-old, a nine-year-old, a um, 12-year-old and a 15-year-old. So um, it was my 15-year-old at the time was living with his father. He was actually with his grandmother at the time, and then he lived with his father. But the younger three were with me. So I had to go through that discussion, not so much with the three-year-old, but with the, 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 the middle two. A um, lot of talking, a lot of validating the experience, validating that this is going to be a big transition and understanding that everyone was going to experience this um, differently because, you know, we all get triggered differently. We have different perceptions, we have different mindset. What I knew, and I think that it really helped because um, studying child development and child psychology, I knew regardless of anything, if everyone feels a deep sense of belonging, that is going to be the most important thing because we're biologically wired for that. We're biologically wired to, to have that need, to feel like I belong to you, you know, you love me, um, you know, I belong. Um, that's our basic need. You know, you can feed someone, you can give them food, you can give them all that th those things, but the validation of that was most important for me. And I think that's what helped so much. Um, when I look back in both situations was the most important challenge is it is a transition. And I did ask my husband, who's been a stepfather now for almost five years, I said to him, what, what do you think is the most important? Um, I, I said, what do you think is the most important thing that a stepmother or stepfather needs to know before even entering a blended family situation and he said to me I think the most important thing is check in with yourself you're always checking in with yourself to see um it's basically holding yourself accountable between you and Allah to so check in with yourself am I able to do this how do I feel about this and the second thing he said was trust the process and I completely resonate with that I truly believe that the challenge of coming together, and, and this is happening more and more. I get more and more um, um, sisters get in contact with me who are stepmothers or they are, um, they are mothers themselves um, that are remarrying um, or are stepmothers themselves that are really struggling with the challenges of um, coming into a blended family. I truly believe that trusting that process is so important because sometimes it looks like it's falling apart or looks like People, you know, family members are reacting in a certain way, but it's actually it could be falling all into place. And I always say, and I think the one of the rules that me and my husband made was that we would give the first year, two years as a transition, meaning we wouldn't have a child of our own. We would just focus on that first two years of bonding and getting to know each other. Because you're not just dealing with your own relationship as an adult, you're dealing with a relationship with a child. And so it's kind of like it's not the it's a journey, it's not a, like a particular destination so subhanallah it's definitely definitely the biggest challenge i would say is building that connection and belonging you know really um trusting that process and i think one of the most important things that uh, we as adults sometimes forget because if you think about it taking your your stepchild your stepchild is like an amana just like your own child and so um, when i saw my stepsons as as amanat i saw them as you know, two little souls that were entrusted to me, my, um, my perception was that they are like my own children. 
And so if anything, subhanAllah, and I always would say that to my eldest son, I would say, I have a better, closer relationship with you, with my with my stepchildren than with you when he was younger, because I just I, I bonded differently with them and they had we had like a mutual respect. So it's very I was very blessed in that. And um, um and the same thing has happened, alhamdulillah, with my children's um, stepfather is that and their bond with him, subhanAllah, this is something that the bond is from Allah. And if anyone is listening to this and is struggling with that bond, it's completely normal because you're getting to know a completely different person, you, you, you know, and, and dynamics of how you see people and how you perceive things and how you react to things or how you like um, things to be, routines, etc. They've been established for years. So moving forward to something that is different or where, you know, some, everyone has to transition a little bit or, or adjust, that takes time. And so understanding and having that tawakul, tawakul meaning that knowing that everything is exactly happens at the exact decree that Allah SWT wants, um, it is actually a tawakul building exercise for anyone. I, I actually had a sister ask me last week, she was going to be uh, marry someone and become a stepmother. And I said to her, um, I talked to her about the amana. I talked about a few things, but I said, if, if she said, if you had to encapsulate what becoming a stepmother is, I said, it's a tawakul building exercise because you're faced with something that you, you don't really know. You know, everyone is, is, has, every human being is different. Every, every human being has different dislikes and likes. We all have different triggers. We, um, we, we operate differently. So the, the, the key is remembering that is, um, is that trusting that Allah has put you in that situation for, for whatever reason and that there's, there's good in it. So there will always be challenges. The other second thing that really I realized over the years, especially when I'm dealing with, in both my previous marriage, I was dealing with the boy's mother um, and dealing in um, my second marriage um, with dealing with the boy's father, um, sorry, my stepchildren's mother in my first marriage and dealing with my um, children's father in this marriage, is you really uh, realize that subconsciously we pass on kind of messages about um, uh, the other parent or the other step parent. And so this really, really important to be consciously aware what kind of messages are we sending to our children about their father or about their mother or about their step parent. And this is really important. And actually, I would say is, is, is both parents have to be involved in this because um, there are kind of like unspoken rules that we follow. It's like kind of traditions and, you know, we teach kind of things or we say things subconsciously or we don't always... Um, we don't always um, uh, discuss it. So it's kind of being aware for yourself where you're at and, and being aware of your um, triggers because a lot of the time you can project onto somebody or, or get offended or, or get personal or get hurt, upset by something that your stepchild did or something that the stepparent did. But in actual fact, it's just stopping and reflecting on my reaction and exploring where that behaviour is triggering me and when I mean by trigger, I'm saying triggers are like the, the um, they're kind of like the unspoken rules, like the, sorry, they're like the, the unspoken experience, the, the, the situations, experiences or stresses that we go through in, part, in past, past situations. So what would look like you being challenged by your step, stepchild could actually just be triggering you from something in the past because it, it unconsciously reminds you of something from the past. And so it's so important as a step parent and as a bio, biological parent who's marrying a step parent 
is just become more aware. It, it requires more, it's a process of self-awareness. And so there will be times where you will get triggered whether by your step-parent or the step-parent, whether by the children or something in that situation, just being aware of what, what is, what's going through in my thoughts in that moment um, because we're always feeling our thoughts. And I think that is really, really important. As long as you hold yourself, kind of check in with yourself and see how you are handling things, you're more likely to um, transition better. And this was really, really important um, between that I, I made sure um, with the challenge of, my husband becoming the boy's stepfather was giving him space to allow him to um, build a bond and relationship with them without me kind of stepping in. And the second thing that helped him was at first not taking on any, and this is really important, this helped me too as a stepmother, don't go in and straight away start taking on a disciplinary role or come in and try to fix things or change things. Come in first with wanting to just build that belonging build that bond and that is going to really help if you have a right intention and you ask a lot for help and you come in with that you know what um i've been presented with this let's experience this and you know let's let's build our blended family as as um let's build that belonging and subhanallah it really i, I saw that in both my marriages with both my stepchildren in my first marriage and my children's stepfather if you allow the process trust the process and um really keep your heart intention sincere inshallah Allah will make it you make you successful in this but so important to work on your own triggers and look within yourself because you know the ability to have connection you know openness vulnerability all those that can be challenged when we maybe hold grudges or we hold a negative perception of our stepchildren or as a biological parent we're not being fair in our time and presence with all parties. How does that sound, ladies? <laughs> I am, you know, subhanAllah, I am gobsmacked, right? SubhanAllah, I'm like, you know, halfway through, I started taking notes because everything you said is so, so to the point, SubhanAllah, it's so... We can, it's heartfelt. You can feel the experience, right? You are talking here. Says, There's nothing theoretical here. We're having like heart-to-heart -heart conversation. It's so soulful. Yes. And it's very yeah. heartfelt. And I love how yeah. you nailed it. You know, being a stepmother is topical building exercise, right? You have to trust in Allah and let the process, you know, like it's a process. It's a journey. And like yeah. just be there, be there, be present, you know, trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But I also jumped down uh, a question, Khadija. You said there will always be challenge, and I could not agree more. Even in a perfectly functional family, there will be challenges, yes. right? There will be relationship breakdowns, there will be, you know, children, uh, some having, you know, um, problems from school or some kind of crisis yes. all the time the thing is when you are in that in a blended family shaitan is very clever right and i've heard this from sisters who's saying oh if i had lived uh, you know with my ex maybe this wouldn't have happened or sometimes children may come up with like oh if i had lived with my own father this wouldn't have happened do your children ever, did, did they ever say things like that to you? Or did you ever have thoughts like, 
oh, you know, if I had lived with my um, ex-husband, you know, my, my children would have been happier or we would not have had these problems. Did these kind of uh, thoughts ever come up or, uh, you know, in conversation with children, anything like that ever come up? Um, some of the things that you're mentioning are definitely, um, I've done it in coaching, but I've, I've spoken to the same kind of things that exactly what you're saying with, with women that I've coached. Um, not, it, I didn't feel like it, when things, when challenges came up in, uh, my second marriage, I never thought, oh, I wish I'd gone back or this has happened because of um, the marriage breakdown or, or wanting to go back. If anything, I was really um, very, very grateful because I felt like all I had replaced with better because I went through a very um, abusive uh, previous marriage. So for me, when I exited, it, I felt like I was um, protecting my children from, from you know, many years of abuse. So for me, a lot of the issues actually more stemmed from my, my boys transitioning away from a more, um, I would say, toxic environment or in relationship more to something that was more healthy. So it was, it was um, like calming the nervous system in some ways. So um, as to your question, and one of the things you mentioned, I think I experienced that in my first marriage because I was very young. At times when the boys would come, I mean, humbler they came one week and one week off, so there was still time to bond. But it is definitely um, something that I resonated as a very young mother that I would do that comparison thinking, oh, it's not fair. Other people get married and they don't have children to start with. And I remember that. I remember that very clearly. And it was something that is consistently has come up when I've coached mothers who are stepmothers who would say, you know, you know, our first night there was a child in our bed, you know, and that child may have been only a two or three year old or that, but they were upset because they felt like the child had robbed them of that um, experience. And really it, it's not, you know, subhanAllah children, they're just children, right? They're little, they're little kids. And they just, they naturally want to bond with their parent. All of a sudden this strange person has come into their life. So I always talk to them about thinking about the perception from the child's point of view, um, because when we see things from a child's point of view, we just understand that we won't take it personally because they're not a threat. They're not trying to jeopardize your relationship in any way. And I think that requires a level of understanding of yourself. When you don't have some level of self-awareness, um, some, some level of um, awareness of like your triggers, or they can be easily play that blame game, very much so. Um, it can be a situation where people's, um, and that's why, you know, that's why my husband said the first thing he said to, to me when I asked him, what do you reckon the best advice is for a step parent? He said, check in with yourself because you have to check in with yourself to realize that um, you may be creating assumptions or suspicions or resentment based on your own thought in the moment um, or your own perception or what you all that, all that comparison thinking around um, how it should look like or what I want it to look like. And so, um, very much so. It's something, there are continuous challenges. And exactly what you said, you know, we experience the same challenges in our own family. As to one of your comments, you said, do any of my children ever say something? I remember uh, it was actually my, my, my son who's now 16. And he did like probably a month ago. Um, I didn't let him do something. I can't remember what it was. And he got upset and he goes, dad never argues with me like you do. Like you do. And I said, I said to him, um, I'll just say a a I said I'm I'm you think I'm arguing with you but I'm I'm trying to discuss something with you and we have do we have different realities about it and he goes oh if I just lived with dad then maybe I wouldn't have have this um argument 
And I smiled at that moment, subhanAllah, because I've done a lot of work through triggers and healing. And, I, and I've come to the point where I could have got very upset and offended. Actually, at first I did. I remember I got offended because I thought, wait a minute, I'm the parent, I'm the mother here. I've always been there for you. I've always helped you. I'm not, you know, I'm the one that stepped up. I paid for everything. Now get got into that story, right? And I catched myself. I think, and this is so important, when you catch yourself and you pause when you're feeling triggered, you realise that you're creating a story based on, or they're also creating their own reality and story. And, you know, I just walked away from him because I really, I was upset at that time. And subhanAllah, within half an hour, I went back to him. It wasn't half an hour, it was a little bit later, I went back to him and I said, I found that really hurtful when you said that, you know, you wanted to live with dad. And then he's like, he actually said to me, I'm sorry, mom, of course I don't want to live with dad, but... I was, I was upset, blah, blah, blah. So he was upset. Now he just used that at that moment because, you know, he's a typical teenager. You know, that's the first thing that came to his mind that in his mind would his father would let him do that. I wouldn't. So it was, you know, he's 16 years old. So in that situation, I could, could have created a really um, upset, got very, very upset, very triggered, very reactive to what he had said. But in that moment, I just realised that there's nothing that he's, I, I don't need to take what he says personally. He, he, he's just reacting. He's a normal child. You know, he's a teenager. He's, I'm not allowing him something that he wants. And, and, you know, that was that. Um, if that comment comes up, I've noticed if that comment has come up a lot in other situations, not in, uh, I haven't personally experienced it so much, but I, from coaching, I've heard that comment, especially where teenagers felt like, um, they wanted to live with one particular parent. A lot of it is to do with their own disconnection of that sense of belonging. And so that's why I always go back to that, that you have to come in to, to, to look at what are the unmet needs. What is, you know, because a lot of time when children are playing up or they're off track or they're behaving a certain way or they're saying certain things, there's always something underneath that's going on. So sometimes we, instead of judging the behavior, look behind what's going on. So I, I would see that when stepmother would say, Oh, you know, the kids just came back and they all of a sudden took him away from me. And he, um, what was on the sister said, you know, he took him away from me and the stepchild still took him away from me. And I, I just didn't exist for that first 24 hours. And then I explained to her that her, and, and she, she said the kids, stepchildren were having a lot of attention seeking behavior. I said, yeah, because they were so in need to rebond with their parent, their biological parent, and, and not to take that personally, because that's a very normal and innate and healthy thing for a child to, who's been absent to a attachment figure to want to reconnect. Absolutely, because I can, I can, I can understand when when you're giving examples of moms who, who feel that they cannot connect with their husband, or who feel that their time with their husband is um, interrupted uh, for yes. hours and hours over weekends, especially if the children are coming over on the weekends. Um, and yeah. um, it's 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 very difficult. It's very difficult. Or just sometimes the moms think that you know what is my purpose? Why did he marry me for cooking cleaning only <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, 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 and that, that comes up too yeah and that's why it's so important um when we frame this in blended families is the biological parent or the biological father or mother who marries the step parent 
especially in that situation where it's a man and he's married a stepmother, like a stepmother to his children. That's why it's so important to um, create that connection first and foremost. And that's why me and my husband kind of made this unspoken rule that the first two years we're just going to just focus on getting to know each other and getting to know the children. Like get, he said, we need to just focus on bonding because you think about you're bringing in another child in, it's it's creates another dynamic. But subhanAllah, and so the ability, you know, the ability to really connect um have that that belonging and vulnerability you have to establish that and and that it's not going to work if the parent if the parent and the step parent um there is like emotional disconnection there so completely agree what you're saying yeah there's there's another thing uh, that comes to my mind that's um what if the step child is challenging what then yeah definitely definitely well I I would say that one of my children was very challenging to his stepfather I could see him like just um he played up I could definitely see that and and when we and I had those discussions I had to keep as a biological parent I had to step step in and have those discussions with him and and I remember one of the things he said we I remember we had this kind of family mashura about six months after I got married and he was playing up he was only about 13 at the time and we sat down and, and um, his stepfather asked him, like, do you hate me? Like, what's, what's wrong? Like, you know, and in a normal situation where it's your, your child, it's different because your child, you can just, if they're, if they're saying, I hate your mom or something, you kind of can sit down and work through it with them and you don't take it so personally. But of course, as a step parent, it's like, you're, you're trying to create a bond with this child who's rejecting you. So that rejectment, that rejection rune comes up, you know, we're human beings, we, we, we're wired for connection. And so um, I remember he said to his stepfather, you know, he described it. We had this honest conversation. He described it. It just feels like, you know, someone's come into our home and, and replaced our father. Like that's, he was talking about that. And even though SubhanAllah had made sure that I was very proactive about maintaining their connection with their father, um, with their biological father. And so, but that was his transition. He was grappling with that transition. So those discussions were really, really important. And his stepfather just empathized with him. He goes, yeah, I know, I know that. And, you know, he said, I remember he said to him, you know, that's not easy. I completely understand where you're coming from. And so that was really good because when the parent acts as the mature person, as the adult, instead of them reacting back or taking it personally and saying, you know what, I'm the bigger person here. I can see you're also you're you're also challenged by this and you're reacting by this um then um I can I can empathize you I can come from a place to be more mindful and have that ability and and that really helped so you will definitely have sometimes a challenging um stepchild I had one of my um stepsons over time he became more challenging because um subhanallah he had developed the habit of when he's with his mother, he to get her attention, he would lie about things that happened at my house, and then he would go back and and lie about things that were happening. And he was only eight or nine, um, lying about things that would happen at his father's house. I mean, sorry, about his mother to his to his father. So basically, creating stories about each house, which put the situation where my children's um, my stepchildren's father and their their my stepchildren's mother would have these arguments, and then both realize. That there was actually no truth to what was being said so when I realized that and I had just started studying um, child protection I was doing my degree at that time and I remember thinking this child's acting up because he's feeling off track in some way so um, you know that's why he's using the lying or creating stories because he's getting attention for it 
and and that's why one of the biggest things I remember at that time was he just needs a bit of connection he needs um and that was really important one of the things that I did I remembered when the boys would come back on a Friday afternoon I made sure in my mind I prepared that that first 24 hours let them have their father completely to themselves like I didn't ever in my mind it was like don't come in and and I was, I was young but it really helped to kind of have this perception that they need to just rebond they just need to reconnect and um, that creates that safety in that relationship and so they knew that 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 oh my father's here everything's fine so by the time the next day they've already settled in and that really helps so remembering a lot of time a challenging step parent is just like a challenging child your own biological child in so many ways. They're still children at the end of the day. Yes, Pamela, you know, um, I, I'm a teacher, yeah? I have worked at schools and yeah. many times what I have seen, you know, during my career of teaching nearly 20 years is when, when children, like, you, you know, I want to link to what you said about playing up and acting up, because sometimes we notice students in class, right? There, there are two things that happen when, when their parents get divorced. I think it really hurt children's sense of self-esteem and sense of uh, self-worth. And they internalize it somehow as if like, you know, oh, it's like uh, it, it was my fault, you know, maybe I didn't behave oh, yes. or, um, you know, I did something yes. wrong and that's why my, my parents are getting, uh, you know, uh, divorced or separated, right? And some children go into a complete withdrawal mode, you know, they, they just want to, they're so withdrawn and they don't want to talk, they don't want to do anything, you know, it's really, really difficult. And some children get into this, you know, playing up and acting up, you know, they, they try to get anything to get your attention, even if it's like something yeah. negative, like misbehaving, or they become very rebellious. But what I'm hearing from what you said, Spanala, when they, and children are children, right, Spanala, at the end of the day, and they are very good at, um, fantasizing things they're very good at romanticizing things especially when you enter second yes. marriage and there's the figure of you know stepfather there uh, every other thing they keep thinking like oh yes you know, if I had lived with my own father maybe this wouldn't have happened and if children ever you know uh, say these comments then parents should not take it personally right they should not take anything personally. It's got nothing to do with their ego. It's about children being unable maybe to regulate their own um, emotions. Because things like, I, I, like I said, you know, it, it could have happened when you're trying to like set healthy rules and boundaries that they don't like. They may, they may come up with things like that. But this kind of healthy yes. rules and boundaries exist in normal families with you know children who live with their own father and mother right but they kind of twist and say ah oh, you know uh, my father wouldn't have said it or you know they they just fantasize isn't it subhanallah so parents who yes. are in a second marriage you know um with a, a stepfather involved don't take things personally and i i am sure that it requires immense amount of courage and bravery and uh, and healing and sometimes have you ever had a, th a therapy for your children have they been to therapy or it was just like probably because you are the therapist right you kind of 
you could sit down and like talk to them and you know explain to them but I also know sisters who are like no they're like you know my children are so withdrawn they're not like they don't talk to me like you know they don't say anything to me they just keep themselves to themselves they're in their own room so what do you suggest you know one of the things I wrote down is validation. So we need to give them a sense mm. of belonging. How to do this, you know, if the children are not hugging type or are not, you know, talking type, they're very quiet and withdrawn. How to deal with this? Um, the first thing that you mentioned, the first question was uh, about therapy. So basically with my four boys, my eldest had um, taken the divorce um, uh, he didn't do he took it quite personally he found it really hard um, so it was a big transition for him and it did affect his mental health and it, it took a lot of a lot of work and connection in this area um, and very it was very challenging um, my out of, out of the four boys three of them bonded quite well with their stepfather so they they, they had straight away they were able to bond quite well my um, one of my children um, went into uh, therapy for 10 sessions because he had 10 sessions of therapy uh, because he developed anxiety straight after the divorce um, and he had a belief that he had caused it. So me, because I study intergenerational trauma and I, humbly, I had the perception that and I understood, and this is for anyone that doesn't understand about um, basically you know, immature, immature children, their brain, exactly what you said, create stories or assumptions, and that can be internalized into their beliefs about their self-esteem and self-worth. So I, unbeknown to me, my son had anxiety and he was only 10 at the time, but he was playing up. He wasn't playing up. He's such a good kid, but he was um, crying a lot and he was very emotional. And I knew obviously he was also mirroring. This was when I was a single mother. So I took him to therapy while I was, um, at the time I was a single mother. And I knew that it was important for him to address whatever he was struggling with because healing is so important. Healing, people think that um, children just heal or time heals, and that's not the case. People could be holding on to um, a wound or trauma or experience, you know, and not till they're like 26 or even 36 that they decide to address it. So I knew that the quicker these things are addressed while they're still young, the more they're able to see things from a different perception, because, you know, we interpret the world based on our perception. And so um, he did um, sessions for his anxiety. And I remember his psychologist saying to me, I said, how's he going? And she goes, oh, he's, he developed a belief that um, it was his fault that the divorce happened. And I remember thinking, oh, that, you know, that's really normal. She said, yes, that's normal because I had studied, um, you know, I studied, had um, blended separate uh, fam uh, family, um, sorry, separation, anxiety and, um, I, it was part of my degree, some of the areas, and I knew, I knew that a lot of children will internalize it about themselves. They'll decide that they're bad or they did something wrong or, and, and so, or they idolize, like you said, they romanticize the parents coming back together, which is very, very normal. And when you understand, when you have the knowledge and understanding around it, and that's why it's so important that if you're someone that isn't very familiar around kids, if you are coming in as a stepmother or stepfather, um, educating yourself, making yourself aware of, of, of this is going to be a, a challenging transition, um, but it, 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 it can be, it's doable if I'm ready to do this. And that's why checking with yourself is so important. Um, as to fostering, you know, a loving relationship, you, you definitely talked about some that validating that experience that, that of that worldview the child has and talking to them. 
and very much a key ingredient that we know that builds resistance. We, we know in any family, we want to build our, the resilience of our children. And we know there's key factors that build resilience. So um, number one is that, is that calm and kind of accurate mirror of our children's emotional state, just labeling our child's feelings. Anyone that's kind of is held space and labeled the feeling that they're feeling instantly feels better because that, that means, oh, my mom understands clearly how I'm feeling. And it's, it, it's been such an important tool I, I, over the years for me with all my boys. It's like I intuitively pick up what they're feeling, you know, sensing it with them, oh, Ibrahim, you're feeling some frustration and just checking in. Are you feeling, and asking him, not just telling him, but asking him, are you feeling some frustration, you know? Um, or even my eye messages, a, a healthy way of, of giving my position, my self permission to express to them. And this was really important is we can express, you know, um, our hurt, our frustrations to our children, but doing it in a way that's healthy. You know, I feel upset when you withdraw from me, you know, because I'd like to connect, I'd like to do something with you. I feel upset when, you know, you walk away from me when I'm trying to talk to you, you know? So we, we're, we're talking to our children, we're not telling them, telling them off we're validating the experience and validating how they feel um, through that and and that is so important open-ended questions you know asking them questions and sometimes like you said children might not be the hugging type or may not be the talking type but uh, um, understanding and emphasizing with their challenges is so important it's so easy to jump in and tell the child off if they're saying something nasty or rude or disrespectful to the step parent it's, it's also, and we want to create, you know, firm, consistent limits and understanding, but we want to also model healthy expressions of emotion. We have to understand it's true they're going for a challenging experience. Of course, we don't allow disrespect or limit setting to be completely broken, just like we wouldn't in a normal biological family with a mother and father and children. The same things apply, but there is a deeper level. I suppose you don't come from a place of judgment. You come from a place of more compassion. And that is the vital key. And it has to be, has to be. If you right now listening to me talking as a, as a stepmother or as a stepfather or anyone in a blended family, your level of compassion, first and foremost for yourself, because if you're not filling yourself up, you're sacrificing thinking, all I do is cook and clean and do all these things, you're going to be resentful and you're not going to be happy, right? But you fill yourself up, fill your cup up first to be able to fill um, that love emotional cup. Um, of your child and and one good thing is to come in and you know act as an auntie or uncle to start with don't take on straight away that responsibility of a mother or father come in with a different role bigger sister so you, you work to connect with them and, and exactly what you're saying children will be off track it's completely normal this, that's why we want to build that connection if a child has uh, I think you mentioned withdrawn if a child is withdrawn then we know that that child may have, be exhibiting some mental illness. They might be experiencing some anxiety. They may be experiencing some depression. Really, really important to get them some support or help. You don't have to be the person, especially if you're not handling the divorce or as a single mother or remarriage. If you yourself are going through your own issues or your own healing, or your own wounds, really important to get your children to connect to someone that will help them to process it. Because helping them to process it, when my son, when he did that when he was 10 years old, he's now 14. Like that helped him so much to process everything. He had someone safe that held space with him without judgment to talk through it. The psychologist drawed him pictures of how anxiety looks like. And, and now, you know, he's four years down the track and he, much like, you know, he's, he's doing okay, alhamdulillah. Um, so these doesn't necessarily mean it has to be traumatic. 
doesn't necessarily mean that we have to create, it has to be a stressful situation. Because up, up, we can actually come in and see things. And I was talking to a friend who just divorced, um, 20 year marriage. And she said, you know what? Me and my husband made a rule, my ex-husband made a rule that we would, you know, really um, um, not do, we, they both made a decision not to go through their divorce in a harmful way. So what they've both done is made sure that their children feel love and they feel a sense of belonging and everything. And she said, my children haven't cried. And they've been divorced now about six months and she just remarried. And it was a lot to do with, they both just made sure that they both didn't attack each other or hate each other. They really checked in that they wanted to have that twackle and come from a place of kindness. It required a deep level of self-awareness for both of them, but it was so, it's so helpful for the children in the marriage and remarriage because the children then mirrored their parents that we are okay. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, I would just um, sum up everything that I gathered from you, uh, inshallah. Um, a, it takes a lot of grit and um, patience and uh, self-love, compassion, understanding. So basically this, this person who has gone through divorce and heartbreak and has seen uh, suffering and now wants to prepare themselves emotionally but get, is getting into a marriage where there is more heartbreak more suffering happening and when two I don't want to use the word broke but yes two damaged people when they decide that they want to start fresh and they come together and they have their children with them who have been along in that damaged relationship at some extent but they have felt love the, it, it requires extreme strength without strength without this, this understanding of tawakkul and sabr and shukr and what can I do in my situation? This is not going to work. This is not going to work. And um, yeah, that's why and, so many second marriages um, fall apart so quickly. Yeah, and, 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 and the, that, that, yes, and the, and the baggage with, so, so especially in the Muslim community, firstly, divorce, right? It's not a good thing, right? Oh, but it yeah, happens. the stigma around it. Exactly. And there's a and huge guilt and stigma about a woman remarrying too. There's a death. I could not tell you the amount of things that, um, that I realized when other women had experienced about remarriage. So that is a second stigma on top of that. So there is layers to it. And, yeah, and you had voice, right? So probably easier. And I've also heard from women who have girls, you know, age 15, 16, and they're like, I'm never getting married, you know, uh, why, why would I, you know, put my um, children yeah. at risk of being, you know, in front of another man, or there's all sorts of talks going around, but subhanAllah, yes, it does resilience. That's it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting what you're saying, but because I was as hypervigilant around this as much because I have a child protection degree so I had in-depth studied child abuse um, I had in-depth studied different types of abuse so as a child my original degrees in child protection so I had a very strong understanding on this and I, and I knew that the figures actually a lot of the times show that the boys can also be very much um, be vulnerable in these situations mm -hmm. so this was an area that I also was very aware and, and, and there is this kind of belief that oh if you have girls that um, it's only applies to girls, but no, even if you have young children or if you have boys, that's why the most first and foremost 
criteria, exactly what you said, is that you have to ask yourself, are you ready to get married? And what is the reason and purpose of why you're remarried? Because if you're still in a place where you're feeling broken or you're feeling, and alhamdulillah, Allah has made us innately resilient, but you can be stuck in that place of, of um, not healed. It's really important to take that step back and really check in before you enter into a, a second marriage because both for both the father and the mother. And I understand, like I understood one sister, she was about to marry because the father was really desperate to find someone to look after his kids because he couldn't go to work. Um, his the mother had by um, biological mother had passed away from cancer. So he was quite desperate to have someone to pretty much come in and cook and clean. And so he was sending off that vibe as well. And she had to say to him, look, you need to stop and heal because um, this is not going to work. So you're very true that it's it's also checking in. And if you go and so many happen, so many don't work through because a marriage breakdown happens for a number of reasons. And so we do we do have wounds and we do have pain and we feel lost. And, and so when you move on, you don't want to bring your wounded baggage into a second marriage. And then you've got children involved and then you've got another person involved. And like you said, so awareness, awareness, awareness is so important. This is this as a believer, we have to be able to stop and really understand that and, and no blaming or shaming or anything, but really stop and check in with ourselves, working what are your triggers, knowing what your what your boundaries are, you know, are you attracting the same thing? And so until you heal, you will then see, okay, what is a healthy relationship and what is a toxic relationship? If you don't have that level of awareness, you're gonna walk back into another marriage or relationship that could actually be more damaging and detrimental to your children. And I've seen that. I have friends who have married and remarried maybe three, four times. And it's a lot because they haven't healed their childhood trauma. They haven't Mm -hmm. healed the pain that they experienced in their first marriages. They haven't looked at their triggers. They haven't worked through their mindset. So it's really, really important. I cannot emphasize this enough that if you're going to go down this pathway, if you are someone that's listening to us and thinking about we've met someone, really check in with yourself what I mean by checking in yourself you really have to check in how much have you healed you know mm-hmm. and I've seen this I had a situation very recently where a sister wanted to marry a brother I knew and um, she was not healed from her marriage she had a very traumatic marriage she had a little son and she said and I questioned her I said look you're very angry very upset still about your ex-husband have you healed and she was very offended by my question. She, she got very upset by the question. Anyway, she ended up marrying the brother. And it's caused so many issues. They've, they've been married now, I think, a year or two. It's caused so many issues because her wounds basically have now affected him so much. And he's a great stepfather to his little her little son. But she's got a lot of issues. And now she's, like, put that onto him. And I felt so sorry for this brother because he just felt so... Um, stressed because he didn't know and she couldn't see it she could not see it she was just like oh this is how I am or you know oh I this is how I speak my truth and it's like no you're actually you're you're actually being emotionally abusive but so so important for us to be aware of our thoughts our actions our behaviors until we start um, because if not you you'll still see the world view based on your own wounded lens hmm. and so it takes time get a coach or get a counselor or go see a psychologist do what you can there's no weakness in seeking for help if you really want this marriage to work or if there is challenges happening if there's a stepchild or between the biological parent and step parent anything get that help seek that help because until you've processed 
things, you create a different lens. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to solve the same problem through the same, it's the same lens, the same thinking. Yeah, yeah, subhanAllah. Absolutely, subhanAllah. So healing is the big word I keep hearing again. Sisters who are going through divorce, uh, sisters who have been divorced and looking to remarry, uh, heal, right? You don't want to enter second marriage with emotional baggages and with triggers. And I, I loved how you described it, you know. Trigger is like you're being challenged from an experience from the past, and uh, but you interpret it as being challenged by your stepchildren or by your uh, second husband or whatever so exactly. awareness awareness right self-awareness what are your triggers right what are your strengths what are your weaknesses really really important healing and get that help get that help and uh, inshallah um what else healing awareness and being realistic with yourself right being realistic with yourself right subhanallah you're not coming in like oh i'm going to be an ideal mother for them no you can like you know have that yes. perception that like oh i'm coming in as an auntie right or i'm coming yeah, in yeah. as a big sister and that helps you to have uh, built that connection and bonding subhanallah being realistic with yourself don't have this you know fantasy expectations or idealistic expectations like oh i'm gonna come up and fix everything and we will be a great family together and subhanallah don't come with that kind of mindset and children are children you know they can be challenging at times and don't take things personally These, these are my final thoughts but the healing is definitely the big one get grounded heal yourself become aware of yourself and start interpreting things differently not based on your past traumas don't get into like victim mentality for example subhanallah what what are the final thoughts from you sisters oh mine are exactly the same like if a person so i i understand that we want to fill in that cup of being loved and valued and being cherished but when the children are involved definitely we want to see if you know that's um that's going to hinder and children on both sides i was going to ask sister afafija this question um i've seen second marriage it's it's very personal and i i did not it's, it's in my family. I see it and I see how it has played out and I see how, how struggling it is. It is extremely struggling. And uh, I understand a lot from what I heard from you. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair for this. Uh, Jazakallah khair to both of you, mashallah. When do both of them, when both of them have good intentions and everything is okay and they're trying their best, they're trying their best. But sister Khadija, when does when do when should and, and if it's not working, shouldn't they both sit and say, you know what, we need a redirection, we need to go to therapy, or we need somebody else who would come in and coach us, right? Because I think mm. that there might still be cracks where they will be falling, and they're desperate to to survive. And um, is it good? Is it a good idea to say that, especially if one parent is seeing the problem and the other isn't seeing the problem? I think, um, I mean, marriage, marriage either way, whether it's a second marriage or first marriage, but of course, second marriage is more difficult if there's children involved because, you know, everyone has a different needs. Um, it doesn't have to come from a place of desperation. It's a place of desperation or is basically a place of resistance or loss of hope. And so, um, 
when we come from a place of that place, we come from an insecure thought. So we have insecure thinking around it, or we, we, we go into like, uh, this is not going to work or lose kind of hope. And, and definitely what you're saying, yeah, if you get to a point where, and we did, I remember this point where in the, after two years where it was like, this is really, is this going to work? Like, is this, this is really difficult. And I remember saying to him, just hang in there because I knew it could work. And, and I knew we had all the ingredients. It was just when we focused less on the children and we're able to give that, and of course you give time to your kids and that, but vital, vital importance is to fill each other's love emotional cup and to really make sure you both have quality time away from the kids. And this was very vital. So, you know, when they may have had a weekend with their father, um, I, I made sure we both made sure that we would spend that day together or do something that would reassure each other. And that was very vital, making those little bite-sized times of self-care um, for yourself as well and um, time for each other. The other thing that really is important is holding space for each other, letting each other um, it's not just all about the kids. People get very focused on the children um, in a blended family. It's all about the kids. I, I hear this comment a lot from stepmothers too. On uh, one of my last coaching sessions, I remember the sister kept saying, it's all about, you know, it's all about her, meaning the stepchild. It's all about her. And this is really important because sometimes the parent will feel guilty when they don't see their children. And so when that child comes to them, they all of a sudden give so much time to that child and kind of forget about their partner because they think, oh, it's only a weekend. But it's you also, it's creating that, it's, it's hard, it's a delicate process of creating um, that care for each other and making time for each other. And definitely, if there are issues coming up, addressing them, I think it's unfortunately because it's such a taboo um, subject of not addressing things that come up or you, you're in this thinking, I just want this to work. If not, people will say, I failed two marriages. You know, there's all this horrible taboos and, and um, cultural conditionings around marriage, let alone around divorce. So there's like an extra pressure when you actually let go of the pressure, what everybody thinks and just focus on yourself, focus on your relationship and your children. You come then not from this kind of desperation or insecure place, but you come from a place that, you know what, let's trust the process. It's, it's you know, it will happen over time, but you have to have a, a level of awareness to do that. And especially if it's not working out. Yes, definitely. Go see someone. There are professional people that have knowledge around this area. And you know what? Try and look for someone that also has lived experience. That helps a lot. You know, I, I, uh, when you resonate with someone that's been through a divorce or has remarried um, or someone that is experiencing that, every, and remember everybody's situation is different. Everyone's dynamics, everyone. So getting advice from example, another stepmother may not be helpful for you because we all interpret the world differently. We all have different perceptions. We all, if anything, it could aggravate your situation. So make sure you're checking in to people that, really truly understand your mind the mindset um have an, a, a knowledge around the psychology of how we think understanding where we can take responsibility um where we are reacting to our thoughts in that moment and it's actually nothing to do with what's going around us just taking that step back but definitely agree with you um, and yes that's why marriages do end sometimes in these situations because both parties have done the time and input but maybe the strategies haven't worked so before you walk out making the effort to see what can work. But subhanAllah, if you follow your intuition, and intuition is that innate feature, our innate wisdom that's deeper within us, you're always going to know intuitively whether, yes, we can make this work or whether it's time to say, you know, that's enough's enough and, you know, uh, depart kindly. SubhanAllah, beautifully put. 
subhanallah. What an amazing, uplifting, heartfelt, soulful discussion it was. I'm definitely going to listen to this again. It's just a thin my notes, right? And um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to listen again and take notes and pen down. I will be publishing this as a blog post, inshallah, for those of you who may not get a chance to listen, you can still read the article. And uh, please share your thoughts and takeaways in the comments section, inshallah, and get in touch with us so you can follow um, me, Raising Young Scholars, both on Facebook and Instagram at Raising Young Scholars. Check out our website, www.raising-scholars.com for Islamic online courses and learning materials aimed at children and Muslim women. And uh, Sister Khadija, also um, a coach and a therapist, right? Sister Khadija, can you tell us a little bit more for sisters who are going through divorce or who are looking at to remarry again? What kind of services do you have? Um, so I, I've been um, doing um, courses and programs for mothers since 2014 and online for about four years now. Um, so I do coaching and, you know, self-paced programs, uh, courses and um, group coaching. And, you know, um, you know, the most important thing is identifying and addressing the things that stand in your way, the barriers that stop you from showing up as the mother or stepmother that you want to be. So very much connect. I'm always sharing things that I hope will help people in building their own awareness and self-awareness. I do have a, um, a motherhood empowerment self, like a course, self-paced course with some coaching sessions. Um, and you can, you're can you welcome to contact me and, and inquire with, about that, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, mashallah, tabarakallah. I would definitely, um, uh, you know, the, the parents that I know, the, I would definitely recommend that they reach out to you, mashallah, tabarakallah. And uh, you know me as Erman Safia. Alhamdulillah, I'm a parent coach as well as a motivational speaker. Um, uh, I have a... An Urdu speaking following um, in almost 45 to 48 countries around the world. Alhamdulillah. Um, we use these sessions, like for example, Sister Rhoda says she'll use this as a blog. I'll use this as a video, probably um, make make a whole video of you know uh, single parenting and blended families and all of that. Inshallah, uh, you can find me at Aaron Ben Sophia. I do one uh, on do one on one coaching as well with moms, helping them empower themselves to become better parents, to you know open up to to the treasures that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has blessed them with. Alhamdulillah. So you can find me there. Uh, you can contact me through Parenting Uncomplicated.com. Sister Khadija, amazing talk, awesome discussion, so many gems to take away. Jazakumullah khair, sharing your thoughts and reflections, gems with our audience today. MashaAllah, may Allah accept this from you and may Allah make it weigh heavy on your scales on the day of judgment inshallah sisters who are tuning in to today's podcast please if you find it useful share it with friends and family like i always say if this helps one struggling soul out there alhamdulillah we have achieved our purpose with that we look forward to connecting with you virtually in our next episode assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh wa alaikum assalam wa